Well, hello, and welcome to this week's Inside OSU podcast. I'm Julia Benbrook. The McKnight Center for the Performing Arts at Oklahoma State University is opening its doors to the public with a weekend full of performances from the New York Philharmonic. I had the chance to talk with Mark Blakeman, who started leading the project in March of 2017 as the Marilyn and Carl Toma Executive Director. We met Mark at the McKnight Center offices to go over the premier season details, the things that make the building unique, and the importance of community outreach. Here's my interview with Mark Blakeman on this week's Inside OSU podcast. And so right now we're just a few days away from the New York Philharmonic arriving oh in Stillwater. <laughs> How does that feel? <laughs> it feels wonderful. There are so many details that we're dealing with right now and things that the community wouldn't and shouldn't be thinking about. We're just really excited to share with the community what we have in store. And we think that opening with a residency of the New York Philharmonic is absolutely appropriate. It fits the mission and vision of the center. Um, it's a dream of the McKnight's that the, that the Philharmonic would open the, the facility. And it's certainly a dream of mine too. So the idea that we get to bring America's oldest orchestra to the community of Stillwater, to the OSU community is a really f phenomenal thing. And I think facilities like the McKnight Center, you know, over the course of maybe a 30 or 40 year horizon, they get to say that somewhere in their history, you know, the New York Philharmonic or maybe the Academy of St. Martin um, performed in their facility. And that's all packed into uh, this really jam-packed opening season. And I think that that is an incredible launch pad for us. And it really sends a message to everyone about what it is that we're trying to accomplish at the center. And also that we're creating all these learning opportunities for OSU students and also for primary and secondary students in this region. Um, there's just a lot packed in there. We're really excited to share with people. And so speaking of the rest of the season, uh, Ross and Billy McKnight gave a $25 million matching programming endowment because they believed that what you were bringing to the stage was just <clears throat> as or more important than the stage itself. So let's talk a little bit about what's on the agenda for the rest of the season. Sure. So we have, we have about 27 concerts in our first year. And in a, in a market where this hasn't really existed, that may seem like a lot of product in reality, it's not very many concerts. A lot of performing arts centers would have a presenter series that might have 50, 60 concerts in a year. Um, or when they bring in a touring Broadway production, they might do a week-long run or a two-week-long run, but they're in larger markets. So because we only have this small quantity of um, slots to fill with, with productions and artists, we were really focused on quality, um, not quantity. So there's a there's a centerpiece to all of the, this, which is great classical music. We have Jonathan Biss, who's a wonderful young concert pianist. He's a Beethoven scholar, and um, 2020 marks the 250th anniversary of Beethoven's birth, and he'll be performing all 32 of the Beethoven piano sonatas spread out over the entire season. We have the Academy of St. Martin, which is the most recorded orchestra in the world. They are uh, a um, 
leading orchestra in Europe. Their artistic director happens to be the, the top violinist in the world, uh, Joshua Bell, and they're coming in for two different performances. We have Sarah Coburn, who's an OSU alum and part of the uh, Alumni Hall of Fame, and she'll be giving a uh, vocal recital and teaching on campus. And we have the incredible elder statesman of the piano world, Andre Watts is coming in to give two different performances, a solo performance, and then he's also playing a concerto with the university orchestra. We wanted to provide as much diversity as we could within those 27 different um, opportunities. So we think we have something for everybody. It sounds like it. And you mentioned that Sarah Coburn is teaching master classes. The master classes are a huge part of this. What does this look like for OSU students, what they're going to get outside of just watching the shows? As we invite artists to come perform at the center, to be performing uh, artists, guest artists, we simultaneously ask them to teach as well. And most of them are willing to do that. And depending on what their comfort level is, may direct whether they're working with university students or potentially grade school kids. But we have as many or more education opportunities in our first season as we do actual concerts to produce. So about 25 or so education components. Just think about what does it mean to have access to someone who's working in their profession at the very top of the field? Those are the musicians that we're making available to the students here on campus. So they're really being given the opportunity um, to work with these uh, incredible artists who students wouldn't have access unless typically you're at a major conservatory, mo mostly on the East Coast or the West Coast. So um, the fact that at Oklahoma State, every uh, instrument from the New York Philharmonic is going to be taught in a master class setting, and that's exclusively for OSU students, is a huge, huge thing. And I think that's a great opportunity for the Greenwood School of Music from a recruiting standpoint, because we hope to have high schoolers and other collegiate students in the audience, you know, watching our students working with these incredible musicians. And also a great thing for people in the community who are really passionate about classical music in particular. They want to see a master artist also, you know, teaching and sharing their craft. And that's really gratifying, I think, for donors and alumni who want to see the deep impact that the McKnight Center is going to have on the students here on campus. And then in the community outreach, I was at one of the elementary schools today as they got their recorder, and that's part of this partnership. Tell us a little Yay. bit about that. So we started very early on developing a deep partnership with Stillwater Public Schools in particular, although we're now developing relationships with other school systems in the region. My dream for Stillwater Public Schools was that every student in every grade every year comes to the McKnight Center for a meaningful experience. And right now in our first season, we have programs lined up for first grade through eighth grade. And we're working on adding additional programs for upper grades as well. And as we go through in season two, three, and four, we'll be able to expand these programs so that we're reaching more students in other school systems as well. Probably the flagship program that I'm most excited about is our Carnegie Hall Link Up program. And we are an official partner to Carnegie Hall Link Up. This is an incredible 
um, education program that's been around for a number of years. They have over 100 partners worldwide um, doing this program. It comes with a very specific curriculum that goes into the classrooms. The McKnight Center has already facilitated a professional development training session with area music teachers so that we can equip them to take this into the classroom to prepare the students to come to the center and to have this great experience. The culminating moment is that concert at the center. And what's special about this particular program is that it is completely immersive and it is not a sit quietly and listen for the oboe or English horn or French horn. The students actually participate in every piece of music that's being performed on stage by a full symphony orchestra. It turns young kids into performers, and I think that's a completely different experience than what a lot of um, education programs, music education programs have, and I think that it has the ability to be much more transformational and much more impactful for young kids and other school systems across the country that have been doing the Carnegie Link-Up program for a number of years now, they have the data that shows that children that are going through these programs, when they get to the age where they can opt in to be in a band, orchestra, or chorus, they're seeing those programs growing because, in part because they're giving these students uh, these experiences at earlier ages. That's very cool. Those fifth graders today, they were not only practicing their performances, but then when they got their recorders, it was like Christmas. I'm sure it was pandemonium. It was. It was. They were excited about it for sure. So let's talk a little bit about the building. It has a lot of unique features, and I know that the acoustics are the most important part when you're putting this together. What are some of the details that people may not even realize when they walk into the McKnight Center that you all have had to think through and put into action? This... The McKnight Center is, I refer to it as a purpose-built facility. So there was a very specific intent, which was to create an optimum environment for listening to acoustic music. And that became the, the driver behind all of the design elements of the facility. And in a facility of this type, the acoustician, that's the engineer who designs the performance spaces to create this optimum environment, they weigh in on every aspect of the facility, um, from the the fabric on the seat backs and how sound absorbing it is, to whether the light fixtures overhead emit some kind of noise, and if they do, what's the what's the frequency of that noise? It's a lot more like building a hospital or a research facility, and it for that reason, it has a very long construction timeline. So from the time we started building in earnest until now has been about two and a half years, which is really significant. It has a lot of great features in it beyond the acoustic elements. The stage deck of the performance hall is sprung for for dance, and we have an orchestra pit so we can accommodate um, music theater, opera, touring dance that uses live music. It has a variable acoustic system where we can actually modify the physics of these spaces so that acoustically they behave in different ways, and it gives us lots of great flexibility. It allows us to present this diverse range of programs over the course of our seasons, and I think that it is a shining example of incredible you know, technology and engineering, and the space in which you present the art form is integral to the total experience. So 
having this combination again of a wonderful state-of-the-art facility alongside the resources to bring in uh, world-class programming is really this is the perfect recipe for great experiences for our audience one of the technologies in the building is that the two theaters inside the McKnight Center are equipped with robotic high-definition cameras and then we have a plaza space on the McKnight Center campus where we have a 32-foot LED wall and the whole plaza has an outdoor sound system that's in surround sound so we've been going through the process of securing permission from our artists to simulcast their performances in real time while they're on stage performing we can broadcast those performances to this outdoor space and it is a great bridge builder to the broader community it creates access for people who maybe are unfamiliar with the performing arts it's a great tool for us to reach more people and create these entry points the experience outdoors obviously is different than inside but we we have the capability of for folks to experience what we're doing indoors to get a taste of it and of course we hope to be able to bring them inside and we have other ideas about how we'll use the plaza we think that we may do yoga on the lawn out there Um, we're talking about family you know movie nights and things like that so i think there are a lot of ways that that space can be utilized to build bridges with the community shows that yeah you guys really thought about the community and including everyone in this What is your vision for the McKnight Performing Arts Center since you have had the chance to kind of see it all the way through? I think long term, what I want is the center to be be really viewed as an art and culture destination for the region. The way I think of it is the way I think of Carnegie Hall in New York. I know that it is a cultural hub where great things happen day in and day out. So when I'm in New York, I want to know what's playing because I want to see if it's something that I'm going to be interested in. I want us to be that same thing for this region where people think of the McKnight Center as that's a place where incredible art happens all the time. If we're near Stillwater, we've got to go see what's what's happening. In my mind, that's kind of the long-term goal where we really get cemented as this cultural destination that people want to seek out and they want to know what's happening there. And of course, that gives us the opportunity to have a broader impact on more from different areas um, within the region. So I know that tickets have been selling very well, but are there still some available and how can people get into the McKnight Center to see some of these first-class performances? It, ha- it has sold very well and that's really gratifying. There are plenty of tickets left. People can visit our website, mcknightcenter.org, to to see what's still available. The opening concert on Friday, October 11th with the New York Philharmonic, we still have tickets available for that as well, as well as a whole host of performances for the whole season. We believe we have something for everybody. The other thing I'll say is that it's a learning process for us. We're going to do some experimenting over the first few years, and you may see um, us adding some different types of performing arts, different genres, different art forms. So I can't imagine that anybody would look at our schedule and not find something that they like, but I would also encourage them to look to look again. You know, when we do our season announcement in the spring of 2020, we'll have a whole new lineup for the next fall, and we'll be plugging some new things into our schedule just to see how people respond to those things. 
I've had the chance to interview Burns and Ann, Ross and Billy, Marilyn and Carl Toma, and all of them said during those interviews, you know, a lot of this credit goes to Mark Blakeman. We are very grateful that we brought him on. So I wanted to tell you That's that nice. even just on a, on a personal level, they all mentioned that and how important it was that you knew that. Thank you. Like Mark said, there are still tickets available, so get yours today. And if you can't make it to the event, keep an eye out for the Orange Carpet pre-show that I'll be hosting on O-State TV Live starting at 5 p.m. on Friday, October 11th. Thank you for listening to this week's Inside OSU podcast. I'm Julia Benbrook. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe.